I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hi, I'm Old Man Saxon and this is Rebel Radio or something like that. <laughs> Rebel Radio, Old Man Saxon. Fuck you, Josh. Tight. That felt way more natural. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. We're now back to our regular scheduled program after uh, three weeks of bringing you live episodes recorded, well, recorded live at Coachella. Uh, if you didn't hear those, make sure you go back and listen to them. They're a little bit short, but I think they're really fun to do some interviews on the field. Uh, and now we're back with this week's guest is Old Man Saxon. Shout out to Clint Schaff. The homie who um, put me up on Saxon and, and connected me with him. Saxon, if you don't know, is uh, he's got a great TED talk out about his experience living in his car for a year while he was um, working on his music. He, and he, he raps about being homeless. And um, this dude definitely keeps it real. We get into some interesting topics. We talk about the Bow Wow Challenge, uh, the Fire Festival. We get real topical this week on Rebel Radio. And we get some great lessons from old man Saxon and how to be vulnerable, uh, how people get caught up, obsessed with money, uh, how we as music fans are obsessed with authenticity, all kind of fun stuff on Rebel Radio this week, right after our EDM.com track of the week. I took in, in a Gladwell book. I did it for the love shit. I know how them rap sales look. And a couple people try to tell me, nah, don't do it. That's drama. You'll be stuck in the drama that don't buy music. Other homies say, enjoy the ride. My life is organized. I'm backstage slugging corn. Look the bitch, I'm mortified. And still got dreams of 
playing the garden, but I'm crashing at Penn Station, Madison Square's basement. Live from New York, just stripped a set at the Gansa Fort. In and out of airports, all the fan support. Back when I was proud to be a backpack rapper. To my fucking landlord, saw my Jansport. And sharks told me I was dead in the water. Till I spit that shit that leave jaws dead in the water. Now I'd rather be myself and keep my message in order. I realized that shit at a session in Georgia. Never listen to a yes man. And don't stop chasing your dreams until they completed. Dress pants, cause it's hell when you're trying to make a manifest. So many laid to rest that I wish I could resurrect. Uh, so now I cherish every breath. Cause the good don't die young, only the very best. Simone took her own life trying to handle stress. The last time I seen her, it was somewhere in the LES. Yo, that was our EDM.com track of the week. That was Dunson. With 10,000 hours, when's the last time you heard somebody rapping about Malcolm Gladwell? I like it. That was on the Hip Hop channel. Go to soundcloud.com slash hip hop for more just like that. Right now, let's get into the interview with Old Man Saxon. But yeah, I just learned, you know, about you from Clint. And right. He's like good at putting me up on stuff. Right. Hell yeah. So, um, and then, you know, just checking out everything online. I'm excited to talk to you and, right. and get into it. I want to, um, you know, what we like to do is kind of get into your your journey, you know, your story of how it's all happened for you. But, um, but I think like, which you're like, uh, this conversation is so timely with everything that's happening right yeah. now. And, you know, specifically, like, I think about the Fire Festival. Mm. I think about um, uh, Bow Wow. Yeah. And, like, I, you know, I don't know, but, like, I'm fascinated with that stuff. I'm fascinated that people would give Ja Rule money up front for something. <laughs> um, He's taking most of the blame for this just because he put his face to it. But That's the thing, right? Yeah. And, and of course, it's not all his fault. No. And, and he really had nothing to do no, with it, really. But 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 I think you know what it stands out to me is that um, we're obsessed. We I think we're obsessed with authenticity. Absolutely. At least feeling like things are authentic, mm -hmm. and we're obsessed with money. Oh yes. And that's not new, but. We have a we have a president who's except besides the fact that he's a lunatic and he appeals to other lunatics. Very much so. I'm sorry if you're a Trump supporter. Um, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But like take like the the rational argument for why he should be president is because he's rich. Yep. Yep. Right? And nobody really seemed no no one wanted to even really understand is he that rich? No. As he claims. But you, you you have that stunting type of thing. Like, sure. uh, my girlfriend has a concept of Trump the rapper because he's kind of yeah. like that guy. You yeah, know? yeah. He's just stunting and got his name on everything. Exactly. And especially like now where we do have like Instagram, like uh, I don't know the new feature. It's not like, not Instagram Live, but it has like a Snapchat type of yeah, feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I follow a bunch of rappers. Yeah. And it's 24-7 stunting now. It's yeah. like yeah. all the time. Like if you go on Instagram... Offset from Migos, always showing his chains. Sure. And it's also the thing where I don't I don't want to be this rapper who's like, oh, the game is just wrong now. Because it's, it's not. It's, yeah. it's evolved. Yeah. But 
I think one thing that we all have to kind of keep in mind is how much times have changed to right now. Mm -hmm. We have rappers who are blowing up who have were born with the internet yeah. as it is now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the fact that you're getting all this information and you're always able to put yourself out there, it's 24-7 stunting. And yeah. it's something we're just going to have to get used to at this point because yeah. <laughs> people will stunt. That's the thing. And, and you know, so I go back to, like, Fire Festival. Yeah, Ja Rule gets the blame. But, but the reality is people were spending a ridiculous amount of money to try to go show yep. how much money they have yep. and hang out with people that pretend like they have a lot of money, these models or whatever, who get hooked up with free stuff, right? And, and it, it's really about that. I don't even know if I want to call it greed, right? But it's that obsession. Yeah. And then, yeah. It, it, what's crazy about that, too, is people are paying like $12,000 to go to the Bahamas. Yeah. And Bahamas is like dirt cheap. Yeah. Like you don't. Like, yeah, so it just shows like I'm paying. Of course. Uh, you're about to watch me stunt in like right. the most, the cheapest place you possibly can. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, once again, I don't blame anyone for like putting money in to do that or if you want to if you have it you know you use it but yeah we're definitely getting to a time where the idea i mean no fuck it's not even this time it's always been the idea of having money means you have something you have things like even if it's not like even if it's not just like physical things you are able to do whatever the fuck you want mm -hmm. and i think from my standpoint when i was writing this album was to be like okay um most art comes from a dark place, and in, in most great art comes from mm -hmm. dark places. And it was just like, what can I do to kind of put my stamp on this hip-hop game, but almost, and also juxtapose exactly what's going on? Yeah. And when I decided to, like, sit in my car, I was, or sleep in my car for that year, I wasn't listening to any rap. Mm. I wasn't listening to anything else. Just my beats and just writing and writing. Wow. And I think that is something that really helped me during that time was not kind of getting, uh, I don't want to say, like, not getting too used to, like, hearing other people rap about things because you do absorb sure. yeah, some of, of that. And I have this thing, like, retired rap lines where it's just constantly used and you don't, and I have to believe it's because it's used so much that it's just ingrained yeah, in people. Sure. And, like, yeah, you know, sure. ice on my chain, you know, it's just like, French Montana is the, the uh, captain of retired rap line. <laughs> hit it from the back. Hit it from the front. It's like, yeah, okay. I've heard that before. So <laughs> how'd you first, let's, let's go back, let's get into you and, and kind of go back to the beginning. Um, well, first of all, do you remember your, when you first fell in love with music? <sighs> wow. Yes. I would say um, pretty much because I had a big brother, six years older than me, whatever he listened to, yeah. was what I thought was cool. What was that first record? <laughs> Honestly, I would say the first real time I was like listening to music, I was like, oh, I get it, was probably X-rated. You have a collect call from... X motherfucking write it. An inmate at Sacramento County Jail. If you do not wish to accept this call, please hang up now. To accept the call, press zero. Thank you for using Pacific Bell. Go ahead with your call. You got to check your bitch. Yes, sir. Check that bitch before she fuck around and do some drastic shit.
don't know if you know who X-Rated is. Sacramento uh-uh. rapper okay. who raps. Oh, he's in jail for murder. Yeah. Um, he was like the first Bobby Schmurder where like they heard his raps and were like, oh, that's a coincidence. We're going to arrest you because that actually happened. Is that right? Yeah, so he's in oh, jail shit. for murder and he raps yeah. all over the phone. Yeah. And I just thought something about that too, now that I'm even t- thinking about it, it's that concept of being in like a whole different place from everyone else, but still like being able to get your music out. Yeah. And he was a really good storyteller, X-rated Sacramento. Yeah, I, I love him. Nice. Um, and the first record I ever bought was DMX, Flesh in My Flesh, Blood in My Blood. Okay. So yeah, I don't know what to say about that, but I, I he, you know him, he but. he had a moment. DM- he had one of the best runs yeah. actually in hip hop. I think he had For one sure. year where he had two platinum selling. Is that right? One year. Yeah. It's, it had, that's like, that doesn't happen. So yeah, yeah DMX was the shit. Yeah. Not just the shit, he was the shit. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and then how'd you get into, what made you want to start making music? Um, I had, all right, well, there's two answers to that. What made me start, like, actually rapping and doing music was in middle school, we would have these battle raps at lunch. And I was just like, I would, that sounds fun. And there were people, middle schoolers were betting money on it. I just, till this day, I'm like, where did y'all get money? (laughs) I don't know. Um, But what made me start um, making music was during those times where I was just rapping and playing around, a lot of people were telling me I was good at it. And I couldn't just kind of like throw that to the side. And if enough people tell you you're good, you know, it's. Do you remember the first time you got up and battled? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll remember it always. His name was Josh Johnson. I was in, excuse me, excuse me. I was in seventh grade, um, and he was battling people. And before that, I was like, I used to write down lyrics of, like, E-40, X-Ray, just to, like, see exactly what they were saying and be uh-huh. able to listen to the song. So I remember writing it and then rapping their lyrics, and then he... Uh, <laughs> You know, he was battling someone, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll try. I'll do it, fellas. And <laughs> I, he, he killed me the first time. Yeah. And I remember... What was that feeling? It was embarrassing. It was super embarrassing. Um, but also, I mean, that was, like, the first time when you're at that age where you're, like, really hyper-aware of, like, everyone and what they're thinking of you. And I was just like, oh, that's some bullshit. So I remember going home <laughs> the next day and writing just shit, writing uh-huh. shit for him. Yeah. And I cheated, but I won. So right. <laughs> I remember going back and I killed him. Yeah. And then that was kind of the thing where, like, every other week at lunch, we would just battle me and him, me and him. And he definitely started, like, me getting into rap. So, um, yeah. And then, and then at what point... Did you start thinking that this was a career? Okay, yeah. So um, I would say, so if I started rapping when I was 12, I didn't think about doing it uh, as a profession until I got out to L.A. And even when I got out to L.A., it wasn't like I moved to L.A. to become a rapper. Mm. But um, What were you thinking you were going to do? I don't know. (laughs) I came out here and I got a game or a, a job testing video games. Oh, yeah. It was the worst thing. It was one of the worst things wow. ever. It was, that seems like... I don't play video games anymore. Oh, okay. And it's because... Think about... So I liked video games. But I didn't yeah. love them. But think about whenever you make something a job, yeah. 
especially something like that yeah. where it's super tedious. I remember when I quit, it, we were testing a game uh, called, it's on the PS Vita called Silent Hill Book of Memories. It's like an overhead. Regardless, it's had 500 levels on it. <laughs> and each level took about between 20 to 40 minutes to do. So we would have to play all day staring at the screen this game. And the second we found a bug, something that made the game break, We'd have to write a report. Yeah. They'd send it to the developers. So let's say you get to there's a bug in level 200. They send it to the developers. They fix it. And they send you a new build, and you have to start from level one mm-hmm. and play to 200 again. And mm-hmm. it was just like, mm-mm, no, nah, I can't do this anymore. And then I'd get home. My roommate would be like, hey, you want to play uh, Madden? No, don't ask me any. Cause it's work. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that was miserable. That yeah. shit was horrible. That's funny. Yeah. And there would always be a time because when. I did have coworkers that did love video. They loved that shit. So there would always be a time throughout the day, at least once, where I would have to, I'd listen to their conversation and I would have to decipher between if they were talking about real life mm-hmm. or a video mm-hmm. game. And I remember that like freaking me out because he was like, "Yeah, man, uh, me and her got into a fight last night." I was like, "Oh, you and your girlfriend?" Then I pulled out the sword of destiny and cut her <laughs> head. I'm like, "Oh, okay, man. Like, <laughs> I have to, I have to go." Wow. Now. Yeah. It was just too like. Yeah. Not in reality. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's but- funny. Hey, check this out. This week and really all summer long, Rebel Radio is brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, we've been using it for the last month or so, and we love it. By we, I mean Christy has been cooking up some of the great recipes delivered by Blue Apron while I've been uh, sitting there on the couch doing nothing. It's easy. It takes her 40 minutes or less. I sit there with a stopwatch and timer. And um, the food's been great. The uh, recipes are really flexible. We haven't had the same meal twice. Christy's allergic to shrimp, so we selected no seafood. And whoop-de-whoop, it all works out. Um, If you don't know Blue Apron, it's the number one fresh ingredient and delivery service, recipe delivery service. So they're, they're giving you the recipes and the food to make it. Everything is portioned out pre-prepared all you got to do is um, chop it up and cook it and eat it they're making incredible home cooking accessible to anyone even you check out this week's menu and you'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping just because you listen to rebel radio by going to blueapron.com rebel you'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with blue apron don't wait do it now that's blueapron.com rebel blue apron is a better way to cook Then so were you, still, were you still trying to make music at that time? A little bit. Yeah. Um, but you do realize, like, when you do have nine hours out of your day dedicated to going somewhere, yeah. um, you, you know, kind of lose that excitement for it when you, not even nine hours, and you got to get it. It was in, it's a commute also, so yeah. it's up 10, 11 hours. And, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't have that fire to write and do shit like that. So I decided, I did quit that job. Uh-huh. And that's when it kind of was like, all right, let me just make music my job. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, almost contradicting myself about when something is your job, how it's like, it takes a little bit out of it. But when you really, really love shit, like I liked playing video games. I love making music. Mm-hmm. So... When that happened, it was like, okay, like, I I can do this. Like, I can really do this. Um, 
but yeah, it once I quit that job, it was it was just writing, 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 writing. And I also tried to start making beats, but it it didn't happen. <laughs> that shit is hard, dude. Yeah. Making beats is super difficult. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I fuck with that. So then, um, what was the like? I don't know. What, what was there like signs of success that made you feel like? No, um, and this is so. That's something that is pretty interesting because um, I have students now that like they take private lessons, and the best students are the ones that are like down on themselves a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, like maybe I can't do this, you know, like, maybe, like, what can I do to get better? And, like, that's where I was at. Right. I was in the point where it was, like, no one's fucking with my shit. Like, what can I do to get better? Yeah. The students that are, like, delusional are the ones that are the worst. So right. I'm not going to lie and say during that time that I had signs of success because I, I didn't have, at all. Like, I was putting, you know, like, the couple of people that would like it were my friends. It wasn't any, like, stranger or anything. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um... And what was it? And what was it? Was it the same? Was uh, was was it the same kind of music that you're making now? Nope, not even close. Right. And that's that's an uh, amazing feeling too, because I I put up on my SoundCloud. I still have some of the first music I ever made mm-hmm. on there, just so I can personally see my evolution of it. Um, I was talking about you know rapper shit, like I. I tell people all the time, don't don't try to be a rapper because then that's what you're going to talk about. You're going to talk right. about, you know, fucking bitches, making money, making it rain. Try to be you as a rapper. Mm. That's a completely different thing yeah. because everyone just wants to be a rapper. That What they show as rappers is, you know, awesome. Like, fuck, yeah, I want to go spin, like, travel right. the world and yeah. touch big butts. But, like, yeah, I... I was definitely just super down about it, uh, about, like, no one fucking with my shit. And that definitely just helped me figure out where I needed to go. So can you walk me through that process? Like, because some people would give up. Yeah. Some people would, uh, you know, I've met a lot of aspiring musicians who blame everybody else. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, my shit is dope, so it's something. (laughs) Politics, or it's the this and that, right? Right. That's, That's really common. So... What do you think, give me that process that, what did you do to take that feedback that was coming in the form of no success, right, and change your approach? So what I did is something that I feel like a lot of people would have uh, trouble with is listening to that feedback and really being able to know you as an artist, exactly what to take in and what not. Of course, there's going to be people just like, oh, fuck you. And like, all right, well, fuck me. But there's people who are like, oh, you, you're talking about how much money you have. Like, you, I know you don't have that money. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like you were saying, authenticity, especially in hip-hop, you cannot break that rule. So even if there is a little bit of falsehood in it, the audience just, like, knows it. They just know what you're doing. So I literally was listening to that feedback and trying to figure out what to do to make it better. Because it's not, I think a lot of people will attribute that to just like, oh, haters, 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 haters. But where I'm at now, if you're just kind of being real to yourself, oh, it's emotion- and that's the thing about this, like my story comes with a lot of cliches, like, 
you just got to buckle down and work hard and be true to yourself. But it's like real shit. Like the more I was just like, all right, let me just talk about what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And it started from something as simple as, you know, um, my, my girl was trying to break up with me. And in the most simple cadence, most simple form. But I think getting that out of the way of being like, all right, well, let me be truthful with my shit kind of took all the pressure off of the content and put it on to the quality of it. Because, mm-hmm. like, content's taken care of. That's mm-hmm. real shit. You do, you know, digest it how you want. And then it was like, okay, so how do I get better about telling it? So to answer your question, pretty much listen to what people say. And with that being said, also don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, it's it's right. weird. It's a weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's true. It's like, so are you, like, because there's a balance, right? Yeah. Are you conscious of that, uh, of where you are in that balance? Um, in what way? You're like, saying? like, you got to, like, like, the right answer is, like you said, kind of listen, but mm-hmm. also don't listen. Okay, so, yeah. Right? Um, and I think that really goes into once you get comfortable with yourself, knowing what works for you. Because it's also like when I'm doing that old shit about, you know, throwing money in the air and everything, it doesn't feel right to me. So there's something in there like, uh, and then when someone acknowledges it, you're like, oh, yeah, like that's exactly what it is. So now I'm at a point where um, I have people who like my shit and I have some people that say certain things that like could make it better like um actually pretty much a lot of people fuck with me mm. i don't know i'm trying to think of something like that like one dude was like uh the, the last video was like oh it's it got a little too weird for me you know that's fine like that's i'm not i hear what you're saying but right. that's for you yeah so is when you're comfortable with what you're making at a time it's like you know what to take in and whatnot right you know but I think what's so hard, you know, and, and like I use the Bow Wow example, and it's like, if, you know, if he hadn't gotten caught, yeah, that would he'd be fine. Well, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be talking <laughs> about it, but but about. but I'm saying like, then you know, his uh, the feedback that he would have gotten would have reinforced that. Of just like, oh, damn, ball. Yeah, like, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right, Um, and he would have got, you know, a a few thousand likes on that post and whatever. Yeah. And it's just more encouragement. Yeah. Right, because I think, like, I think that's what, you know, that's what people want. Now, people also want to shit on you when they feel there's an opportunity to do that, and that's what's happening to him. And I think it's, you know, he's, in some ways, he's, like, unfairly singled out, but... Oh yeah, he got caught, and oh, that's yeah. the price of of celebrity. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing too is the the audience is kind of there's some base heads also because you see these videos and and like all the women and a lot of people take that for face value. Right. So I really I I don't see it's a very thin line between like. I don't see the difference between Young Thug making a video with all these women and cars and right. all this. Who are models. Yeah, and Bow Wow lying about uh, jet posts. Yeah. It's all ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's all ridiculous. Yeah. So, But we have this thing, from, especially rappers, I think, you know, to some extent other people too, but, but especially rappers that we expect them to be telling the truth, mm-hmm. which I think is an unfair... And rappers have created that for themselves yep. too. True. 
you know, by 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 telling us that they're telling the truth yeah. when they're not. You yeah. know what I mean? And I mean, you know, when I was coming up, like if you were pretending to be a gangster, That's... like that was the end of your, yeah, your career, right? Absolutely. But but I would say 99% of gangster rappers were pretending to be gangsters. They might have had a cousin, yeah. Yeah. or they might have grown up in that yeah. neighborhood, but you were probably not gangbanging and also on tour. Absolutely, no. It's unlikely. No. You know what <laughs> Absolutely. I mean? Yeah, it's, it is weird because rappers were... Like, I was watching a Katy Perry video, uh, Chain to the Rhythm, right? And the video is her like at an amusement park with all this stuff on and she's weird and she's driving riding a roller coaster awesome yeah um when you look at a rapper's video it's not something that is unattainable it's like it's not them in the future doing crazy shit right it's them outside of their old house holding guns in the air and shit so it's <laughs> like yeah like that seems like that can be real right. so i think we as rappers kind of put that on ourselves yeah. of being of not being so out there that people just are they can't believe it um yeah it's what we choose to put out there but i want to but you know talk about the responsibility of the fans right because you know it's the same thing whether you know whether it's bow wow or trump or fire festival right it all comes down to what do we accept as fans yeah, yeah. um so they fans definitely have a big part of this because um when in a, to get a little deeper it's how we especially in hip-hop which is like a black male oriented genre how we see the black male as a whole you know so we like to be just comfortable with our categories and shit so when the audience sees a black male holding guns and throwing money in the air and doing all this, it's to an extent they're comfortable with that. Sure. You know, so yeah, fuck the audience. Because <laughs> they, they are a big part of that. Yeah. So what I what I do if you see my last video, I'm dressed up in a turtle suit. Yeah. You know, that's something that I don't want that's like that Katy Perry type. He's like, oh, that's out there. Like he's not a turtle. Unless right. people think I'm a turtle. But like, <laughs> people will believe that uh, black people, you know, drive. Black people with money get gold teeth and right. ride around in Lamborghinis, shooting out the air. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's everybody's at fault. <laughs> Literally, everyone's at fault for yeah. their portrayal of this genre. For sure. It's funny you say that. I mean, I, I've uh, I've always felt like the the complete mainstream you know hip-hop becoming completely mainstream is in a lot of ways tied to eminem mm, explain um well i you know i was you're saying like the white rapper that's kind of like that kind of got it to everybody yeah damn okay and, and hip-hop was big before that yeah and it, but it's not but the way it is today yeah right and i feel like he opened that door i remember you know i, I was there and i was not particularly like I have trouble fucking with white rappers. <laughs> and I I have a lot of friends. I, I can't fully explain it, but I you know, but there's voice. Like you like I, that was what all of my friends think say is like you can just tell immediately. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know. I don't know. There's <laughs> there, there's something that just doesn't 
it doesn't work for me. I understand. And um, but I I remember feeling like, you know, he changed people's perception of what it meant to be a rapper. Yeah. Because before that, you used to think that you had to be um, from a certain place yeah. or grown up a certain way or of a certain ethnicity or like you it felt like there were rules like these people can be rappers and these people can't and i think for eminem and then more importantly for the generation behind him yeah like that that definition started to change okay no i i could absolutely understand what you're saying um because there were white rappers before him but not to that but not that big yeah right? um not to that magnitude at all um so I mean no, that's actually a, that's a pretty good point. Especially after him, like everyone was. Yeah. Kid Rock was <laughs> like doing shit. Totally. Um, yeah. And with that being said, I do want to say, I mean, it's crazy that he could. You could easily argue is the best rapper of all time. Oh, he's incredibly talented, right? Like I'm not. Uh, yeah. Pretty crazy. For sure. It's like some random like white dude from Detroit could like you could definitely argue. But he's a dude. But you know, but he grew up in the hood. Mm -hmm. And he grew up living that rap life yep. right and so and that's part of what i think is so interesting about it is it was true for him yeah like to sh Absolutely. i mean talk about writing your truth like yeah. he was telling you about his marital troubles yep. and, and what it's like being a father and Absolutely. you know all the shit that uh, you know very much like like you that other people weren't talking about or were trying to maybe yeah. hide yeah right and so he was a real rapper yeah, Absolutely. And, and maybe one of the best to ever do it but it's the guys behind him yeah. who grew up in the suburbs, who could then see themselves so, in that in a way they couldn't see themselves in DMX. I think, <clears throat> no, that's a good point. With uh, Eminem was in Detroit, you know, he's eight mile. He didn't have that uh, experience. And I think also what happened after him was people definitely started seeing hip-hop as a culture and something that was, I mean, once we get MTV and you know, all these things, yeah. you can kind of take that in really fast, people could just say they're a part of the culture. And hip-hop has, like, leaked into mainstream culture so much. I was watching um, some, like, Trump thing. I don't remember. But in the back, there was, like, a graph, and it said, like, shady practices. Like, shady. Like, that is, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> that's like a hip-hop sure. turn. That's in the White House and shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think... After him, there were these kids from the suburbs and, you know, that were being able to rap. But I think that is more of a call to how big hip-hop is in general. So yeah. I have nothing wrong with, like, that uh, subgroup of people, you know, getting into the culture. Because, I mean, hip-hop's a powerful thing. It's everywhere. It's mm -hmm. like Oval Office right mm -hmm. now. So, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. T so t talk about... Living in your car. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was like, so the first, I was there for 13 months, just driving around, finding places to sleep. The first two, first four months probably were miserable because, like, I didn't get it. I didn't get what I needed to do to be, for lack of a better term, comfortable. And I started figuring out where to sleep because it's L.A., like, I was trying to sleep in, like, Koreatown, mm -hmm. like, the crazy spots and shit where, like, other people were sleeping in their car. Right. But that was a horrible idea. <laughs> that was right. horrible. My car got broken into while I was sleeping in the back. 
twice. Oh, shit. Two times. I'm passed out in the back of my car, and I hear, doom, and it's the door closed. And I look up, and I look in the back, and there's just like a, a SUV shining its lights behind me. And I was like, okay. And I just went back to sleep. Because <laughs> I was like, none of, this, none of that could have happened. Mm-hmm. So I just went back to sleep. Uh, woke up again. I hear, doom. Look up. Same car behind me. Okay, drives, pulls away. I was like, I have to move now. So I go drive to like another street, start patting my pockets. Oh, my my wallet's gone. All right, so what the fuck do I need to do? What was that last thump that I heard on my car? I drive back. They threw my wallet back because they probably saw me in the back seat. No money, took all my money. But at least like left my damn ID and shit so I could like live. Yeah. Second time... Funny, this this is still the funniest story to me. I wake up in the morning, can't find my phone. Fuck, there's a dude pushing a cart. I was like, I saw him last night. I get out, hey, sir, um, did you see anyone go in my car last night? No, I didn't see anyone in your car. I'm just fucking No, wait, what? Did, no, I'm just asking, did you see anyone in my car? Man, fuck, man, you better get the fuck away from me. Sir, I don't know. Someone in my car. Yeah, I stole it. Sold it for drugs. Sir, <laughs> what did you just say? Did you steal my phone and sell it for drugs? Man, you better get the fuck away from me. So it keeps going. Sir, did you steal my phone? Sir, did you steal my phone? If I'm lying, I'm dying. He sits down on the sidewalk, gets a piece of chalk, and starts writing, did you steal my phone? I look down at the sidewalk. There's hundreds of sentences that he has written on no this sidewalk. I was like, this is your area, <laughs> so I'm gonna leave now. That's your, you... that's your toll. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. like, you're in my place now. So that was terrifying. It was like wow. some paranormal shit. Um, but once I got used to it, it was awesome. Like I didn't need shit. I didn't need anything except right. music and a pillow and like a pen. That was all I needed. What was the what was how did you make that decision i was broke i didn't want to i was always living with other people so i was in a way always having to go by what they were doing in some way shape or form um and that was affecting my music so that's that's the next step now first it was my job now it's people Mm -hmm. and i didn't want to like fuck i I had people that were like no yeah you can come live with me I don't, fuck that. I would have to sleep on their couch in the living room, wake up when they wake up, just a bunch of bullshit. So I was literally just like, I'm gonna, just gonna be by myself for a little bit. And honestly, one of the best times is not having to fuck with people. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an introvert, like deep down, I'm right. an introvert. Yeah. When I'm at home, I'm the most comfortable. But like, I was always at home and I was always by myself. And I was also out in the world. Mm-hmm. And those three things were just so calming in, like, every aspect. Once people weren't breaking into my car. <laughs> but after that shit, it was tight. So what do you think the biggest lesson that you took from that experience? Um, one of the things, and I heard this on the radio while I was in my car. So some, I don't remember who, but he said, um, if you don't like being with yourself, then you're not in the right company. Mm-hmm. And once I like got to just do me 
I just became, I just realized I wasn't necessarily that comfortable with myself in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a place where like having to, having gone through all that, I'm more comfortable with myself and around people like way more because I'm just willing to be who I am. And if mm -hmm. you like me, you know, fuck you, another cliche. Um, so yeah, that was it. That was like the main thing of being like, and then also working at what you want to do. Yeah. Like really working at what you want to do. I know now that when I was trying to make music at the beginning that it wouldn't have worked. I wasn't taking it seriously. So yeah, those definitely were the main things of just being like being comfortable with myself and working on my terms. So so I know now you teach and I want to talk a little bit about that. Um but you you teach rap which I think is fascinating. So ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's so um, ridiculous. Uh, but how how do you teach people like you've suffered for your art? Yeah, and I think you know this is some old man shit, right? But but it it there's a there's a value to that, and and maybe even uh, it's maybe even necessary, mm -hmm. right, to do that. But in a lot of ways, you don't have to do that, right? You don't, you know, especially if you come from a certain, you know the if you have certain means, right, yep. you can get uh, some software real easily mm -hmm. and you can be a rapper tonight yeah. and a YouTube star tomorrow, right? Absolutely. Like, so, uh, you know, so maybe you don't have to suffer. So, so how do you teach people the value of that? I think everyone in some way, shape, or form has suffered, and I don't think it's so straightforward as in, you had to live in your car or something. Mm -hmm. I think even, like, the richest people with some of the, you know, with access to the most things have suffered in some way. And um, a lot of the times in my private lessons in rap class, I mean, these people, these are kids that have their parents paying for them to go to school, so they're probably not, you know, struggling that much. I ask them, what is something that you don't want to talk about? And... Just that alone means that's something inside of you that you're like, okay, well, I had one kid who was, I don't even want to talk about everything he was going through, but by the end of the session, he was crying. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, oh, well, that's nuts. So talk about what you don't want to. And because even to some extent, that's suffering. Yeah. Like, you have something that you <laughs> needs to be said that you can't say it. That's suffering right there. Who does that when you think about your heroes or your influences? Who who does that really well in, in music? That uh, talks about that like just goes into you know the the bears bears their soul. I would say Eminem actually. Mm -hmm. I would really say Eminem. Dear Slim, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom. I sent two letters back in autumn. You must not have got them. There probably was a problem at the post office or something. Sometimes I scribble the dresses too sloppy when I jot them. But anyways, what's been up, man? How's your daughter? My girlfriend's pregnant, too. I'm about to be a father. If I have a daughter, guess what I'm going to call her? I'm going to name her Bonnie. I read about your Uncle Ronnie, too. I'm sorry. I had a friend um, When you even think about the story Stan, you know, it's one of the craziest stories yeah. told in hip-hop. Um, nowadays, it's <laughs> Kanye, but Kanye's kind of lost what he's complaining about not getting millions of dollars for a deal right. in a fashion show, and it's like, okay, you know. Yeah. But 
That's suffering for him now. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I mean, we could do a I, we could do a whole thing like we could do a whole show on Kanye. I'm trying because, to teach a class on Kanye. I yeah, really I, want to. Well, he's like half Trump and half the best rapper ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. People, I think people overlook how good he is as a lyricist too. Kanye yeah. is dope producer. What he's one of the best. One of the best ever. Yeah, but he's such a lunatic yeah. and an asshole that it's like. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, you have to wonder how much those things go hand in hand. You do. You do. And that's also, that's part of why I, like, started sleeping in my car in the first place is seeing these, the the story of people that have gone from that to that, yeah. uh, you know, nothing, quote, unquote, to yeah. something. Um, and even the people that are crazy and, you know, kind of make their this status for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I personally didn't think I was crazy, so I was like, oh, let me see what it actually goes into why this works. Steve Harvey was home. was like, I did a lot of uh, stories. Siddhartha, who was like, you know, yeah. left everything to try to find himself, cliche, and like really found a lot, uh, a deeper meaning to everything behind that. So Kanye is absolutely crazy, and he's a genius, and I don't think... Maybe people should go crazy. (laughs) I mean, I think there's also a lot of crazy people who aren't geniuses, too. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe first know that you're a genius, then go crazy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) What'd you learn about homelessness? Um, Everyone's homeless. (laughs) Like, everyone, it's not even, like, hyperbole. Everyone is homeless. Like, there was so many people sleeping in their cars that, I saw every single day. I would go to this park, Barnsdall Park up, up in Silver Lake, mm-hmm. and just sit there, and I'd see the same people from the night before just chilling in their car. Old dude with, like, like super old. He has to be still living in his car. Actually, no, I know he's still living in his car. He has to have been living in his car for over 10 years or something because he was just super used to it, super yeah. content. And I also think that there's the stigma that when you think of a homeless person, you see a dude on the freeway holding a sign mm-hmm. and everything. But I think that's kind of selling short the problem of homelessness in general. Like, there's so many people that are homeless. And yeah. then, with that being said, something that I learned while while this was happening is the term homeless is so, like, ridiculous. And we are def- we're defined by what you don't have. Right. Like you're homeless, like, and that's it. Yeah. That's all you are. Yeah, you don't sure. have a car. You're not carless or anything. Right. Like we, our pressure to own property is intense. Where it's like, yeah, sure. you don't have a home. So that's something else that I realized. It's we kind of separate these people so intensely that it's it, you. You create this visualization of them when they are just normal ass people who don't s- sleep inside. Right. And that's what I realized too. It was like, I'm Saxon still. I just don't sleep in a bed. And mm-hmm. People, I think a lot of people would benefit from just talking to someone who is experiencing homelessness, as people say. Sure. So, yeah, I, it completely turned. Because I remember when I first, when I was really young, um, <laughs> I used to think the term homelessness because my like family would always say, "Oh, yeah, he's sleeping on the street." I used to think they actually slept in the middle of the street. Right. Like that's sure. really that, that gets ingrained in your brain. Which some people do, right? But oh yeah, but but, but but I think it, you know that's one of those things. Is, so, 
similar to other stuff we're talking about that like is just largely misunderstood mm -hmm. and that we look for a very simple definition Absolutely. a very simple answer Absolutely. right and we have this mental picture of you know somebody that's on drugs or somebody that's mentally ill and and obviously that's true sometimes also very true and sometimes not absolutely um so what made you want to teach okay so what's funny is i've always wanted to be a teacher um and i never wanted to deal with kids like so <laughs> it was like a weird thing right where like i could have probably tied in the middle school right but those are the worst middle school kids are the worst for sure and so what happened one day was my friend who works at the Music Institute, he's a bass instructor, he um, hit me up one day. He's like, they said they need someone to teach rap. And I sent them all the stuff and everything. And so I was like, all right, you can, you can teach rap. And I just remember thinking, like, how shit just works out like that because I've always wanted to be a teacher, and I, but I didn't want to teach kids about, you know, state capitals and shit. So now I'm like doing exactly, yeah. exactly what I want. So, yeah, but that's it's a weird job. It's a really weird job because I have to constantly tell people that you know, Tupac didn't have a rap teacher, <laughs> and like, it's just I I can only help them so much yeah. before it's just like, all right, figure it out, like just figure it out, dude. But the one thing that I do, and I'm curious to see what you think about this, because I. I have to teach the history of mm -hmm. rap, right? Mm -hmm. And I teach them that, mm -hmm. but I always preface it by saying it's not important. Damn, that's deep. <laughs> always. I say it's not It's not necessary for you to learn. And I, I'm torn on that. I want to know what you think about it. I'm torn and uh, because I think you're right. I think, you know, a lot of it is just doing what's inside you. Absolutely. Right? And that, that's much more important. And I think uh, it's also much more important to be timely. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Right? That, <clears throat> and again, it depends on your goal. True. If your goal is to, to make a legacy that lasts beyond you, then maybe the timeliness is less important. But, yes. but to break through and to, to get noticed, right, as an artist of any sort, like the being part of whatever's happening right yep. now is more important. So I, I, you know, in for those reasons, I agree with you. <clears throat> I think, um, but the context also matters. Absolutely, I think your, um, you know, I think there's some responsibility that comes with being part of a tradition that stems back decades or maybe even centuries, okay. right? Depending yeah. on your perspective. And so, um, uh, so the better you, the more aware you are of that and the more you were, and, and, and presumably like you'll be a better artist having, you know, these certain influences. Okay. Right. Absolutely. And allowing those things in and allowing, you know, understanding what what the community around you or before you considered great work. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I think that's important too. Now, Absolutely. I don't know that it's either or. Like, what I mean is like, yeah, you could probably be great without the history. Yeah. 
But for somebody else, that history might either inspire you or inform your process. Or yeah, give which you is tools. why I do always teach them that. Yeah. Um, I think a couple of things is one thing is interesting is it is you're writing about what's inside of you. And I think music as a whole is so much based on your experiences that whatever you put out is going to be what you what was inside of you. Yeah. So if you learn the history or not, I can only I can only assume that having the history inside of your experiences is going to shape how you make music from mm-hmm. then on out. But if you don't, just make what you, what's inside of you. You For know. Sure. So yeah. I'm always. I want them to be super aware that, especially with the term old heads in the hip-hop game, they want you to know. And if you right. don't, you, it's it's crazy. But that's because it means something to them, right? Absolutely. To, to us, right? Yeah. To speak as one of those, right? Absolutely. It, it means something to us, but that doesn't mean it needs to mean something to, to a 19-year-old. Not at all. I think, you know, there's reasons why we want it to, right? And I, and I think, you know, part of it, like, I've said this on the show before, um, you know, for me, being a hip hop fan is is hard work. Yeah. Okay. Today. Explain. Oh, because hip hop sucks. <laughs> Mostly. For, for to my to my well, here's okay. why. Okay. Like, here's why. Because, um, the the current you know current hip hop has so little resemblance and so little connection to something that was such an important part of my life. Okay. At one time, okay. right, and so I was. I had this experience the other day. I was. I was sitting in my office, you know, with a kid who's twenty two, you know, who's a listens to whatever Migos and Lil Yachty, all that, right? Yeah. And like I was playing Gangstar. I never thought that you would grab me, undermine me, and backstab me, but I can see clearly now. The rain is gone, the pain is gone, but what you did was still wrong. There was a few times I needed your support. But you tried to play me like an indoor sport, like racquetball, tennis, pool, whatever. All I know is that you attempted to be clever. Nevertheless, cleverness can impress. And, and, and he, he walked in and I was like, we didn't even have a conversation, but I'm in my head I was like, this doesn't even sound good to you. Probably not. Because it's, it's not related. And it's thin and it's like, you know what I mean? Probably, I completely understand what you're saying. And, and so I think there's a there's a longing for that to continue yeah and it's not continuing it's a new thing and it, and it and it has to be a new thing and it you know i could see it as like the people that grew up with silent film or with black and white film or yes. with you know these certain things that were so meaningful at a time in their lives i think now you know i understand now what the rock guys have gone through yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah yeah it's all right but so i would say um the game is just very saturated right now. And I think it's really easy to see in the mainstream, especially if you listen to the radio, that that tradition kind of isn't going on. Yeah. But I think that there, it, it's just that you have to look harder mm-hmm. to find what you used to listen to. Yeah, for sure. But it's still being made. I of course. Think. Of course. And I think the, the thought that hip-hop which is a pretty popular thought that it's not that good or not as good anymore, is it's all subjective. It's all subjective. Yeah, exactly. Totally. But I think that there's so many really, really good hip-hop artists right now. 
but we just, as a society, we're nostalgic anyway. Mm -hmm. So, and especially for people who have music that they grew up on, like, you'll never, there will never be anything oh, that's better, your shit. really. There'll yeah. never be. So, yeah, I just think that we, I don't think hip-hop sucks. That's that's what I have to say. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, no, I know I'm, par mean, I know. I'm paraphrasing. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know, if you didn't know, Old Man Saxon is a professor of rap at the Musicians Institute. If you're into the uh, academia of, uh, of music and culture, uh, we have a great interview back in our archives. Go back and listen to uh, one of the early ones was, was Oliver Wang. He was, uh, now he's a full professor. At the time, he was associate professor of psychology. Um, and also a DJ and a great hip-hop journalist and historian and, and really sharp, sharp dude. He's also the, the author of Legions of Boom, which is a book about Filipino DJ culture. And it was a great interview back in the Rebel Radio archives. You can find those on iTunes. Uh, but now let's finish up with Old Man Saxon. So, okay. Um, I have a little speed round before we wrap up and then right. they're going to throw us out of here. But um, uh, I guess my, my last question before we get to that is, what's the, when you, when you, you know, you went through living in your car and you, you re-examined your connection to music and, and how you're going to make music and all that. What's the goal now? Um, that's deep. That's deep. A lot of things just went through my head right now. Um, I think the first thing is to kind of show my family, I have a daughter now, to show her that you can kind of make a living and be very comfortable doing things that you really like to do. Oh. And I think being able to do that is a really big, would be a really big goal for me. Because I could, I could, you know, work at the water department and come home, see her every once in a while and hate my life. Mm -hmm. And because that was what I was going to do mm -hmm. in Denver. <laughs> yeah. But I think showing her that would be amazing. I think being able to grow with this new hip hop culture and kind of be a name that people champion would be a really amazing thing. And obviously to be to leave my mark and just be great at what I do. I think that's, yeah, that would be fucking awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. so all right. Um, so if you can go back and give one piece of advice to yourself at 18, what would you say? Damn. Um, be more vulnerable. Be way more vulnerable. And just, I think something that I learned way way uh past when i should have is when we, we we had this chant in peewee football and it was just to do it it was to participate to do my best after i've done my best to feel and say i've done my best to play to play my best and after i've played my best to feel and say i've played my best wow and i remember getting to like 25 and being like oh that was the deepest shit that I've ever <laughs> yeah, that's deep. to feel and say yeah. that I've done my best. 
I think there was a lot of things happening when I was 18 that I couldn't necessarily say that. That I was just kind of just going with it, you know, trying to be cool and shit. But that would be definitely something that I would want me to know. When you're... The the alignment between what you think, feel, do, and say is the craziest shit. Mm -hmm. It's like exactly how you should want to live your life. Yeah, absolutely. What talent have you always wished you had more of? Hmm. Um... Making beats. I really wish I could make beats. Yeah. Um, it, it's always, like, uh, hard to explain to producers what I'm hearing in my head, and it will just never actually happen unless I make it my own. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also uh, balloon animals. <laughs> I would like to. <laughs> okay. That's probably <laughs> good for your daughter. Animals, yeah. <laughs> so if I worked for you on your on your team, what's something I would hear you say over and over? <laughs> bitch <laughs> I call all of my friends bitches okay. and I think once they get like once you get the bitch title you're Here the is. homie now okay. cause it, and it's not like I really don't mean it in the derogatory term at all right. but whenever you do something stupid it's just so much harder to explain in detail what you did <laughs> it's just way easier to go bitch and that's it they know they know exactly that's great what's up. So who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Wow. Um, Jude Law. Because that means I did something right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Damn. I did some real shit. Yeah, I guess so. So uh, what about, what movie do you think you've seen the most? Inglorious Bastards. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. That's That's a great one. Amazing movie. Yeah. I know every time, every scene that comes on, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I like this. <laughs> every scene. And then, oh, actually, that's not true. <laughs> the movie Friday After Next, uh-huh. because we had, like, this bootleg cable once, and it would just keep playing over and over and over again. So I saw Friday After Next, like, at least 73 times. And then Head of State with Chris oh, Rock yeah, with and Chris Bernie Rock. Mac. I'm about to watch that with my son. It's both really great movies. Head of State is great. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I always get Friday, next Friday. I, I always get next them, Friday, too confused. Friday after next is the Christmas one. Okay. With uh, Terry Crews. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. That's <laughs> it's funny. So ridiculous. That's funny. And um, you have a favorite DJ? Hmm. DJ Jedi. He's works at... Institute. Okay. <laughs> nice. Oh, thanks for doing this, man. That was so no much problem. fun. Yeah, it was funny. I love the I love the stories. Um, shit, come back anytime you want to promote right. something. How how do we? How's everybody find you online? Uh, old man Saxon on everything. Uh, just Google me. Are you pretty active on the social? I still don't get it. Yeah, I don't get Twitter. Yeah. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> I need a tutorial or something. Well, I I don't. I mean, I think the answer is like what you're already saying, which is this, like. Everybody's got their own 
you got to do what feels natural. Absolutely. Right, and and I think the people, what you should do is post pictures of yourself with like private jets, because <laughs> yeah, you'll get a lot of hits on that. Um, I should. You're right. But no, I think like you know the people that do it well, some do it a lot, some not yeah. as much, but it just like yeah. is a natural extension. Yeah, you're right. Like, and right now, what feels natural is not doing anything, yeah. so that's what sucks. Yeah, no, but that's probably better than trying to force it. Yeah, but I have to. I have to. You have to be that person now, so. Well, people want access. Yeah. Yes. Right, and yes. they they want content, and as you said, it's so saturated that, that you have to then people saturate more. Yeah, exactly. People constantly. I hate even having a phone because people always assume they can access you twenty four seven. Yeah. And I don't even like doing that. So I don't like people calling me. So I don't want to have people like messaging me. This is the whole thing. I get it. Yeah. Okay, that was Old Man Saxon on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you leave us comments on Twitter, Facebook, uh, wherever you want. You can send us an email if you happen to know our email address. Um, And don't forget to check out our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash rebelradionet. All the socials are rebelradionet. You can find us there. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio.